Welcome to the Banking with Life Q&A series. I'm your host, James Nethery, and this is where I answer your questions concerning the infinite banking concept. Let's get started. Okay, so this question, and this is a question on the Infinite Banking Basics video. Okay, so in your example toward the end, using a policy loan to buy a rental property at 8.9% interest, and I, it's been a long time since I watched that video, but I just put an equivalent interest rate on a cash flow. I did not say that 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 policy was earning a percentage rate or not. I just put an equivalent comparison, right? an interest rate comparing to a cash flow. Does that make sense what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm pointing that out because, I, my, you know, they busted my chops on that when I released that video or made that presentation years ago. And the accusation was I was claiming that the um, investor was earning eight point nine percent no go back and re-listen to that okay the tenant is going to pay the principal and interest will you tell me who pays the mortgage principal and interest the taxes and everything else on a rental property sir the renter they pay for everything okay so um wouldn't it take wouldn't it then take 15 to 30 years if the tenant is paying me back on my quote-unquote mortgage for me to realize a full reclamation of my loan plus interest thus turning your example of in year eight it becomes blank i don't know what blank is and in year 16 it's blank into something more like 38 years and 48 years respectively no listen i would encourage you to listen to that again i'm only isolating principal and interest um doing a comparison on the whole cash flow you're isolating principal and interest all right if a renter pays you rent, that is a cash flow. Where does that whole cash flow go? If I wrote you a $10,000 check today, what would you do with it? It has to go somewhere. You're not going to leave it in your pocket. So that whole cash flow should go into an entity that you own and control is my point. And if you want to drag that mortgage out for 30 years or 60 years or 100 years, that's your business. If I take that whole cash flow and pay down an outstanding loan, that's velocity right, and arbitrage. And that's part of the power of the infinite banking concept. Number one is who is performing the banking function. Okay, the banker gets to do whatever they want to do. So I would encourage you to listen to that again. Okay, and more than once, it's okay. In this question, James, what happens to the cash value if you take a loan out and pay it back within a month? Does the cash value go back to the amount it was before the loan? Also, how is interest calculated in such a scenario? Do you take the annual rate and divide it by 365 and then multiply it by 30? Please explain and thank you. Well, thank you for asking. Not much happens, but a lot of work is going on. If I take a loan and pay it back within a month, you know, I'm doing a lot of paperwork or movement of um, money, you know, electronically, digits. So not much happens there, all right? 
um, the cash value only goes up if you pay additional quote-unquote interest, which is actually premium to the life insurance company. So is that how you calculate interest? Yeah, it's basically whatever the interest rate is, it's an annualized interest rate divided by 365, and in your case, times 30. Yeah, that's all very simple and basic math. Yep. So, and let me let me continue on that. Look, these life insurance companies do not have tellers. They do not have drive-through windows. You know, you're just moving money around. This idea of putting money in and taking it out, putting money in and taking it out, putting money in and taking it out, borrowing, repaying, borrowing, repaying, is not making your policy do anything, right? You're causing yourself a lot of work and the home office of the life insurance company a lot of work. It is not going to make the policy um, any any bigger, better, faster, more efficient. You know, if um, if I borrow money and for some reason I pay it back in one month, you know, I'm going to put additional premium to that or I'm going to account, I'm going to practice economic value added, right? So if the life insurance company is charging me five per se, I'm repaying that loan at 10. Whether my policy can hold it or not, and, and there are ways to make sure that that additional quote unquote interest that I'm paying winds up into a life insurance policy. And these are the very reasons you need to work with somebody that's competent in the infinite banking world. And a good question. Can anyone answer what would be the downside of doing a 90-10 or an 80-20? Wouldn't it pretty much perform the same, but give you access to more cash sooner if needed, as well as more flexibility? if someone got into a bind. Thanks for the help. <clears throat> Look, and I've kind of addressed this briefly previously. 90-10, 80-20, yes, it gives you more cash value in the early years. Does it give you more flexibility? No. It may give you more flexibility in the early years, but the further you go out, the, the flexibility decreases. Yes. Um, and if you're paying a premium that you can potentially get in a bind, maybe it's not designed correctly for you. We get calls all the time, day in, day out, week after week. These people, they're like, James, you know, I didn't know about you. I didn't listen to you until after I had started this uh, 90 10 policy or this 85 15 or whatever it is. And um, now I'm, I got to come up with a second and third year premium. It doesn't make sense to me. You know, it's all, you know, real clear right and uh, you bought it based on a life insurance illustration and then you bought it based on somebody telling you this is right and probably not comparing apples to apples um and so it's not really working out for you now there's some people out there maybe it works out very well perfect no problem but to say that a particular split between the base and the pua is correct is wrong that is not where you design a policy. That is not the basis from which you design a policy. And then to hear somebody say, oh, well, you know, the agents that don't do 90-10 or doing it for the money, they're, you know, oh my gosh, that's playing to the base, most simplest objection to life insurance, one of them. It's like Dave Ramsey and Susie Orman and all that. Oh, the commission, the commission, the commission. And it's like, Really? Do you think the life insurance agent can't think past a commission? If so, don't do business with them, right? I have taxable funds available now. If I use those monies for premium payments, does this do away with the taxes due on those dollars? Is there a way to use those taxable dollars to decrease the tax 
due or eliminate the tax due altogether. Thank you. Now, I don't know specifically, Luke, what you're referring to on your taxable funds, but if you have, no, you're not, you're not changing the character of money. Right? If I have money in a qualified plan, it is tax deferred. To take money out of a qualified plan, whether you withdraw it or you graduate and the, and the proceeds are left to your beneficiaries, it's taxable. Now, that doesn't, I'm not including the Roth IRAs or 401ks, right? So the character of the account is not going to change. So the short answer is no. And when you get into these ideas and here of late, you know, I hear um, examples of, uh, oh, well, you can you can take taxable money and make it tax-free. Yeah, get with your CPA and get him to agree or them to agree to argue that case before the Supreme Court uh, or the tax court. You know, it's like, stop it. Stop it. You know, you should pay your taxes no more than what is actually due, right? So I'm not, you know, this tax evasion is one thing. Tax avoidance is another. So the idea that you're going to, create some scheme to um, not pay taxes on tax deferred or taxable accounts to go to tax free the IRS is like not okay with that but I'm not giving tax advice so the short answer is no pay the taxes in a known bracket pay no more than you owe and and then build as much money as you can in my opinion tax deferred and tax free With interest rates being so low, the arbitrage option is not something we can do now, right? I have a policy which I can borrow against at 5%. And I just got a vehicle loan at 2% for six years. To me, in this case, it does not make financial sense to borrow against my policy. I have real estate loans at four, four and a half, and two. And so far, this doesn't seem advantageous for me to borrow against a policy in any case. Well, that may be so for you. And and that's mathematical, right? Do you want to pay interest at 2% or do you want to pay interest at 5% in this case? And that's your business. So, um, you know, it depends on the circumstances. Listen, I will borrow every dollar that you will loan me at 1%. Okay? Because uh, I know what to do with money. So does that mean that I want to jump through all the lender's hoops just to save a half a point? That maybe, maybe not. Um, and then if you're if you've got a lot of leverage, if you've got loans at four different rates, you know, then you've got a lot of leverage going on. Well, how are you going to maintain maintain control of that leverage? And I'm not saying that that this is for you or not for you, but if you're just focusing on one thing, the interest rate on a loan, the loan interest rate to make a decision whether you should or you shouldn't, it's pretty narrow, right? So, um, and it depends on if how many of the hoops you want to jump through from the third party lender. Math is math, man. It's not complicated. Is one percent lower than five? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. So if you want to borrow at one, by all means, borrow at one. If you want to uh, borrow against your policies at five instead of paying the third party lender four and a half, okay. It's the banker gets to do whatever they want. He who makes or he who has a gold makes a rules, you know, golden rule. Okay. So yeah, that's simple math. There's sometimes when I personally um, will use a third party lender's money. No question. 
but I'll have access to capital that I own and control so I can maintain the leverage. So if a banker shows up in my office wanting to seize assets, I'm going to tell him to get out of my office because I'm controlling the banking function. Uh, thanks for letting me elaborate. Okay, hope that helps. In this question, how tech how tech savvy are the life insurance companies you work with? Do they have an app that I can make payments on or with? And the short answer is yes, they're all tech savvy. But look, they're mutual life insurance companies. Um, they they move as slow as molasses in the winter time. Right, but they are trying to get into the 21st century. So yes, you can go online and you can do an awful lot more online banking, premium payments, loan repayments, loan withdrawals, you know, processing loans online than you could in the past. But you know, colleagues of mine, we have joked for years that at the end of the world, when Armageddon comes, there's going to be three things left: cockroaches, Twinkies, and mutual life insurance companies. So the short answer is yes, they're about as tech savvy as they've ever been, but they're mutual life insurance companies. So they're, you know, great them on the curve when it comes to technology. Okay, I say that, you know, you go back into the 20s, 30s and 40s and life insurance companies were the, were, I mean, they were at the, at the vanguard of, of technology. They, they use some of the largest, I've, some of these old mutual companies, are, their basements were full of computers processing premium payments and death claims though. So I'm not saying they're um, not tech savvy. I'm just saying they're mutual life insurance companies are trying to get into the 21st century and they're slow, but they're worth waiting for. How's that? Okay. I would like to pay base premiums annually. I would also like to maximally fund the PUA in regards to flexibility, do I have to pay the PUA in one lump sum? One lump sum um, within the policy year, or does the life insurance company allow monthly or random premium payments here and there? How flexible are they usually? That's really a good question. It's kind of specific, and I took some of the specifics out to be able to answer this question on an episode. Um, every life insurance company is different. And some life insurance companies require PUA premium payments, additional PUA premium payments to be made only on the anniversary. Is that the end of the world? No, but it can be challenging. But look, banking um, with life insurance can be challenging anyway, especially, for example, in the real estate business, you know. Um, properties don't close every time on scheduled closings, right? Renters don't um, come and go you know, on, on demand. So, you know, it's invariably you're, you're starting a policy, you're paying substantial premiums, and then there's an opportunity in real estate that comes up in there. Oh, what do I do? Do I pay a premium? Do I have enough time to pay a premium and request a loan? I mean, those, those challenges exist. Well, what? Okay. I have an opportunity that I got to take advantage of. What a problem to have. Okay. So, um, in, in my practice, we build policies as flexible as possible. Why? Because the future is unknown. And if you are going to maintain control of a policy, of an asset, you need as much flexibility as possible. So hope that helps. The companies that we use, yes, you can use, they, they take unscheduled, random, additional PUA premium payments. 
This question, are dividends only paid on the base premium or on all of the premiums paid in the year? Does it matter how quickly I pay the additional PUA premiums um, in addition to a base premium of a life insurance policy? Okay, dividends are paid on the entire policy. So the PUA, the paid up additions rider is a rider. The base premium is, you know, the base whole life policy that has a premium. Then you may have other riders. You know, you may have uh, extended care benefits, long-term care riders. You may have term riders. You may have waiver premium. You may have other insured. You may have additional riders. The dividend is paid on the, the entire premium to the PUA and to the base, right? So, um the short answer is no, dividends are not paid on term premiums. The uh, dividends are not paid on the waiver premium premium. So there are riders that do not receive a dividend. But in totality, right, if you need those riders, you need those riders, right? Or if you want them and you need them, you've determined that you need them, by all means, get them in place, right? The dividend is a dividend. The dividend, every company has some client or some policy owner information on how they declare and pay a dividend. And you should you should have that, right? Whatever company you are putting your money into, whatever company you are paying premiums to, you want to find out. You want to know that. So it's a very good question. And thank you for asking it. Okay. Thank you for listening. If you have a question that you would like an answer to, email me at james at bankingwithlife.com. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.